You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Maybe I'm a little uh, overextended right now because I keep having great ideas that escape me. Um, I was about to <laughs> tell you all something really great, and I'm like, it's gone. Whatever that was is gone, gone, gone. And that's been happening to me. Yeah, that really has it's been happening to me a lot lately. So... Um, Hey, that's all right. Yeah. But what, yeah, I think what I was going to say was, um, but it's funny. I mean, you see um, what, and, and you know, some, and, and honestly, obviously, sometimes it's, it's earned what Christianity is accused of in its worst in being, uh, you know, uh, mean-spirited uh, and judgmental. Uh, and and narrow, you know, it's funny. I mean, you as I shared from that article today, you know, here's the punk rock scene, and you see how moralistic it is, um, and how mean spirited, and how judgmental, and how narrow. It's just a different, yeah. It's just, it's a different morality. It's a different judgmentalism. It's a different um, narrowness, but it's narrow and legalistic and 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 judgmental um, to be to be sure. Um, and it's funny because I wanted to talk some about the call out. Let me pray. Um, um, oh, Lord, help us. Um, Lord, I do pray that as we're gathered now in your name, that you would be in the midst of us. It's, it's the truth. We, we stand deeply and desperately in need of your grace and your mercy and your intervention. And we thank you for what is made known, that you do, in fact, graciously intervene in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and you make known to us that your desire is not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through you. And I give you thanks that you have promised through Jesus, your son, Heavenly Father, that you would not leave us as orphans, but in fact that you would send your spirit to be the spirit of truth, our help, our comfort, um, our counsel. And so be in the midst of us, I pray, through your Holy Spirit, And I pray that ultimately your living word would go forth to us today, that it would fill us with with hope and with life and would shape us and fashion us and direct us. All this I ask and offer now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So we we continue. Each week I've shared some different resources. I... If, if you're anything like me, you're you're always looking for uh, a good uh, a good resource, and I've been fortunate to come across some. The one, and I've and I've misplaced my book. The one uh, that I drew some from that first week, uh, a sort of uh, commentary on the parables, uh, is is really a fantastic collection of sermons. Um, and I've also the first couple of weeks. There's a guy. If you're ever looking, James Edwards. James R. Edwards is his name, and he's written some great commentaries on on Romans, on Matthew, on Luke, and others as well. But this is a little collection of some sermons of his called The Divine Intruder, When God Breaks Into Your Life, is another one that I'd really recommend to y'all. He's, um, you know, he's very bright and very insightful, but he's also, because he's so bright and insightful, he's very clear in the way that he communicates. uh, And you can really uh, understand it, and it's and it's tremendously um, applicable. Uh, the last commercial before we begin today uh, is uh, to recommend this other guy, Derek Kidner. 
Uh, Derek Kidner is his name. Great uh, commentaries, particularly on the Old Testament. This guy is fantastic. Um, he's able to say in a sentence what it would take me a page um, to say. Uh, and that's not, you know, false humility. That's the truth. I mean, he's, he's really, um, he's, he's that good. And so um, today we're going to draw some from the message of Hosea. And let me ask this. This is not, uh, this is not the Craig Smalley call-out co- culture. Um, who is... Who has read um, Hosea? Who has uh, any familiarity with with Hosea? And um, yeah, awesome, Carolyn. If you'd come up, please. Um, <laughs> that's, that's 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 that's, that's great. Um, so let me say, you know, it's funny. Like this, uh, this needs a sticker warning. Um, you know, uh, explicit and offensive material. Um, one of one of Hosea's favorite words is whore, um, and he uses it. Um, liberally and often. Um, and, and in many ways, the, the long and the short of what um, Hosea has this, uh, has this and, it's, and it's not unique to Hosea. Um, you know, often, and, uh, and you know, again, this is, if, if this is offensive, it's offensive, but it's also true. Because throughout the scriptures, it talks about often how we're, we're adulterous. Um, we are people who are adulterous in our relationship with God. Um, we're, we're, we're not um, faithful. We chase after we chase after other gods. Uh, we chase after other standards. We, we chase after other cornerstones and strongholds um, for our lives. Uh, the, you remember the human heart is what? The human heart is an idol factory. Um, you know, we, 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 we produce idols. And so um, Jesus talks about the sinful and adulterous generation. I will say this as we're, um, as we're reflecting today. Jesus, um, you were talking about call-out culture. Um, Jesus uh, in, uh, is an equal opportunity call-outer. Um, Jesus calls out um, all of us. Um, Jesus doesn't have, seem to have any difficulty calling out all of us. What's, what's the dramatic difference? Uh, it, it's a call-out in order that we might be drawn to life. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a liberating call rather than one that desires to destroy. Uh, it's, it's a call out in a way um, to, to reveal in such a way that we might be freed. Um, it's, it's, a call out of, it's a call out of love rather than a call out of condemnation. Uh, and and therein, is the, therein is the dramatic difference. And so Hosea uh, is a prophet during a time in which uh, the kingdom was divided um, into the northern and into the southern kingdoms, Israel uh, and Judah. It was a time uh, of division, and it was a time they had experienced actually a time of, of brief uh, of brief peace. Um, they they'd experienced the people had experienced a time of of uh, that that great war machine Assyria and some of the others were were occupied with internal strife at the moment, um, and so they were actually had a had a respite um, where they uh, had a little break from um, some of the. Uh, uh, yeah, some of the constant. Um, yeah, exactly. It's warm, folks. Uh, I'm going to get serious. Roll up the sleeves. Mark Gentilette, I'm going to whip off the glasses, and we're going to we're going to get after this uh, right now. So they're they're during a, you know it's a relative time of, of of peace, and of course, as we talked about uh, last week, and as we reflected, um, this time of of relative peace and prosperity doesn't actually lead. It's it's really me, Brian, from coming out of service with 50 layers on and um, 
But yes, yeah, so it, does it draw them to the Lord in gratitude? No, um, it, it, it doesn't. Um, they, they, they turn away from God. And here, this is, this is rather shocking. Let me, let me begin by reading to you the, the word of the Lord that comes um, to Hosea. Uh, and the word um, comes to him. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said, Hosea, all right, get, you ready for this? Um, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom. Do you sense a theme here? Um, so for, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's a much better voice. Let's just go with that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, not only uh, does, does he tell him uh, to go and take um, a wife of whoredom, um, but her name's Gomer. So, you know, it's even, you know, that's like insult uh, injury right there. Um, and so he went and took Gomer, uh, the daughter of Diblaim, uh, and she conceived uh, and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Uh, and on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So how about that? You know, uh, you think of uh, Johnny Cash, a, a man uh, a man called Sue. You think that was baggage. Um, how about you get this name? Um, that's, that's, that's some baggage uh, associated with this name. Uh, and we hear that uh, she bears him a son uh, from, their, uh, from their marriage, uh, bears at least a couple of others uh, from other relationships. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, are you ready for this? Um, Call her name, No Mercy. Hey, aren't you, uh, you know, anyway, I know why y'all came here. You wanted me to pick you up uh, and you're feeling better already, right? So call her name, No Mercy, um, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war, or by horses, or by horsemen. When she had weaned no mercy, uh, she conceived and bore a son, and the Lord said, Call his name not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. (laughs) So anyway, um, you know, here's, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, here's warm and fuzzy God um, right here. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the same. And it, do you notice something going on here? It's like, so there's this word uh, of rebuke uh, and there's this word of judgment that goes forth. And yet and yet immediately on it, uh, it's sort of like God saying, uh, all right, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking severely, however, because listen, he says, you know, not my people for you're not my people yet. The number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. Kind of an interesting, it's like, wait, you know, wait, wait a minute. What's, what, what's going on here? And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. So it's like, okay, well, there's, what, you know, wait, wait, wait a minute. What is it here? And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up, from the land, for great uh, shall be the day uh, of Jezreel. And let me uh, let me stop um, for for just a moment. And, and one of the things I hope to show in in Hosea, and, and 
And quite frankly, not that, that I hope to show, it's, it's, it's what's in there, is um, the, the way in which God um, speaks honestly, uh, the way in which, yes, God does give a word of rebuke here, and yet, as, as we go on and as I read from other parts of Hosea, some, at least for me, some of the most beautiful and tender and comforting words uh, are in Hosea as well, words that God speaks um, to his people, words of redemption, words uh, of, of reconciliation. So one of the things, we, we talked about the call-out culture, and I read, uh, well, I guess, uh, for, for those of you who were here at 9, for those who weren't who go to the 11 o'clock, I, I draw from uh, an op-ed piece uh, from David Brooks in which he talks about um, the, the call-out culture that is so prevalent in our country right now and, and, and the uh, dispiriting and, and, and harsh way that it seeks not simply to disagree, not even simply to denigrate, but the desire to destroy, uh, to destroy those who are... Um, who are different from you, um, uh, and uh, thus the need um, for uh, the message of Christianity to, to step into that to that vicious void. But but part of the um, one of the ways that the church can then swing too far in the in the opposite direction is to say um, that we have a God who doesn't judge. Uh, that, that, that God is a God of of, of love, and God brings God brings no no judgment. And, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I think probably in a desire to get away from uh, an idea of a, of a mean-spirited and capricious God, which is not accurate at all, but it's often one of the charges leveled against God, particularly, you know, the God of the Old Testament, because he was a different guy then um, before his enlightened um, New Testament days. Um, you know, this God who's capricious, uh, who's judgmental, and, and in response, the church can swing too far the other direction and say, you know, God doesn't judge. Um, God doesn't judge um, whatsoever. And in the reality, uh, there's a guy, uh, Miroslav Volf, and Volf uh, was uh, from the former Yugoslavia and has written a lot about um, forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, and it, those are some of the things that I want to talk about this morning as well because uh, there's not uh, one of us in here uh, that doesn't need forgiveness and reconciliation in our lives. Um, I mean, you know, one, just... We're people, and two, we live in families, um, and so you know we live in relationships, we live in communities. Um, so there's a need for forgiveness, there's a need um, for for reconciliation. And in response to the uh, assertion that, that that God does not judge, a, a couple of things. Wolf shares uh, some different experiences, um, but but one, uh, he talks about how we need a God who takes up the sword. Again, not in an angry vengeful, uh, vindictive way, but but we need God uh, to be the judge because as we referenced earlier at 9 o'clock and in, in light of that um, op-ed piece, without a God who judges, who's left to judge? You and me. Um, and, and we know the way that we typically carry out judgment. Uh, we know the way that we typically carry out anger. Um, you know, I'm measured in my mind, and then when I'm talking to, you know, whomever, it's like, blah, and it all comes out in just a completely... Uh, unhelpful, unedifying, uh, unedifying way. Uh, but but Vols says this. He said one could object that it is not worthy of God to wield the sword. Is God not love, long suffering, all powerful, uh, an all powerful love? This is from his uh, book Exclusion and Embrace. A counter question could go something like this: 
Is it not a bit too arrogant to presume that our contemporary sensibilities about what is compatible with God's love are so much healthier than those of the people of God throughout the whole history of Judaism and Christianity? Um, so in essence, he says, you know, it's, it's a little presumptuous of us to say, you know, they all had it wrong. Recalling my arguments about the self-immunization of the evildoers, one could further argue that in a world of violence, it would not be worthy of God not to wield the sword. So basically says, you know, in a, in a world in a world of violence, wouldn't it be terrible if God doesn't respond? If God doesn't ultimately judge? If God doesn't ultimately um, set things right? If God were not angry at injustice and deception and did not make the final end of violence, God would not be worthy of our worship. Here, however, I'm less interested in arguing that God's violence is not unworthy of God than in showing that it is beneficial to us. Atlin has rightly drawn our attention to the fact that in a world of violence, we are faced with an inescapable alternative, uh, either God's violence or human violence. Either God's violence or human violence. And, um, you know, as I share this, I, I invite you to kick this around. I mean, this is, I, I, f I find this challenging. It's not that I'm up here reading and saying, well, this is, yeah, this is all. I find it challenging, but at the same time, I, I find it true. Um, we have the world's violence or we have God's violence. Someone has to be just. Um, someone um, has to judge. There has to be, um, there has to be payment made. Uh, and of course, uh, the great news in Christianity is that payment is made through Jesus. Uh, I mean, thanks, thanks be to, thanks be to God. Most people who insist on God's nonviolence cannot resist using violence themselves or, ta or tacitly sanctioning its use by others. They deem the talk of God's judgment irreverent. They think nothing of entrusting judgment into human hands, persuaded presumably that this is less dangerous and more humane than to believe in a God who judges, that we should bring down the powerful from their thrones, Luke 1, seems responsible, that God should do the same as the song of that revolutionary virgin explicitly states, seems crude. And so violence thrives, secretly nourished by a belief in a God who refuses um, to wield the sword. Uh, and he goes on and talks about his experience in, in places where genocide has been experienced, where people have, you know, people you know and love have been murdered, they've been raped, your, your community has been um, burned to the ground. And, and the point Wolf makes is, um, he says, I don't care who you are. If, if you see and you experience that, you are going to want to respond in kind. You know, he said, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care who you are, if you see that happen to people that you love and that you value, you, you absolutely want to respond um, uh, in, in kind. And, and there's that necessity for, for any break in the cycle to happen. We, we have to believe in a God who ultimately, who ultimately judges, um, who ultimately addresses wrongs, who, who ultimately um, sets things right. And I, hopefully I haven't taken us, I'm sure I have, too far afield. Um, but I, but I share that all by way of preface to the words of, of Hosea and his prophecy and, and the words which come forth, which are seemingly, um, well, they're not seemingly harsh. Um, they, um, they, they, they are harsh. Uh, they're, they're words uh, which, are, which are jarring. Um, and, and I'll say, um, I encourage you to go home and read Hosea. It's, it's 14 chapters, um, 14 short chapters, uh, but in the midst of, of, of all of this, there, is, there are words of mercy going forth as well. Um, 
Like here, this is in Hosea 2.14, and this is the Lord's mercy on Israel. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there shall she answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came um, out of the land uh, of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names uh, of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered um, by name no more. And I will make uh, for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the creeping things uh, of the ground. I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down um, in safety, and I will betroth you um, to me um, forever. Um, uh, this this beautiful um, language um, in the in the midst of this, and so so this is going to be shocking to you. Um, so Hosea's wife Gomer, um, get get ready for this. Um, she wasn't faithful um, in their in their relationship, and she ended up. Um, walking out on him. I know you didn't see that coming. Um, and so she ends up walking out on him. She moves in with this guy. And this guy is actually um, as bad or worse than her. Um, and, and, and she ends up uh, basically um, a, a prisoner, uh, a prisoner of him. And in many ways, it's a, it's a prodigal son story, but it's a, it's a prodigal wife um, story. But, but here's the thing as well <laughs> that, um, I mean, it's kind of, I guess it's, Dark comedy um, is 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 what it is. But um, when when God tells um, Hosea to go and 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 take a, a woman of Hortim as his wife, it's not pretty woman. Um, she's not a hooker with a heart of gold. Um, it's you know it's not like uh, you know, but she's really cute and she's really you know. In truth, she's just not that bad. She's had some bad breaks. Um, no, I mean Gomer's ungrateful. Um, she's just like you know what? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a heart of gold. Quite frankly, I'm not appreciative. Um, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. And so, uh, and so here's what happens. So Hosea is, is directed by God to go and get her. Um, so she's walked out on him. She's left him. And Hosea is directed to actually um, go uh, and deliver her. Uh, not because she deserves deliverance, um, but but God is acting out this parable. Uh, and, and of course, we, we see this good news extended to you and to me. He's given this message to go. She's a captive and to go and deliver, not because she deserves it, um, not because uh, she necessarily wants it, but this is the character of God um, being revealed. He is, yes, a God who rightly, necessarily judges and speaks to wrong uh, and injustice. Um, thanks be to God. And, and yet he's a God who's gracious and who's merciful. Um, but listen, this is actually, this is a really big deal. So here's, um, so here's what he says. And the Lord said to me, go again and, and listen to this. So go again. Don't, don't just go get her, right? And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. I mean, does that not move you? God speaking says, you know, don't just go get her, but go and love a woman. Don't just go and say, you know what? I'm going to shake my finger at you, um, uh, but you know what? I'm going to shame you, and you, and you better be, and you better be grateful. I mean, it's, I mean, is that just phenomenally moving? Go and go and love a woman uh, who is loved by another man. What's God saying? God's saying that's my people. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm loving a people 
that are loving uh, another man, another woman, that are chasing after, um, that are chasing after others. I mean, this is the this is the depth uh, of the the love and the grace uh, and and the mercy of God. It, when we talk about loving the unlovable, I mean that that sounds nice, but that doesn't really hit us in the pit of the stomach, does it? When you hear that, when you hear this, you're like that, that 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 gets you. Uh, that that's a visceral um, reaction in in the best possible way. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Um, the, among the various false gods they worship, Baal was a fertility cult and, and Asherah uh, was another fertility cult. And those were often cakes of raisins. Um, I wouldn't be in on Asherah. I'd kind of like a cake of raisin. But anyway, that's... Um, <laughs> But listen to this, and it gets better. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a leke of barley. Not only did I have to go and get her, not only am I loving her, but I had to buy her. Uh, I had to buy her um, out of captivity. I mean, how about all the rich um, foreshadowing that's that's going on here? Not only go and love a people who are not lovable um, and who haven't been faithful. Don't just rescue them, but love them. But But having to purchase them. Uh, having to purchase them, <laughs> how galling uh, to, to, to go and to actually uh, pay a price um, for her deliverance. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. Um, I'll be faithful to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many nights without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return uh, and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come and fear to the Lord and his goodness uh, in the latter days. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, here we see this tenderness which is going out. As, as the book uh, progresses, uh, God does uh, address the reality um, that, that they're going to reap the whirlwind uh, because even... Even with God's gracious pursuit of them uh, and his gracious um, reaching out to them, uh, they're, they're like you and me. They don't reform quickly. Um, they, they, they don't reform um, quickly. And so God, um, God has to uh, continue um, to go after them uh, again uh, and again. Um, and he does speak to the reality. You know, here's the thing. We sometimes worry about people getting away with things, right? That's one of the fears about grace, you know, people are going to get away with something. Um, if, if we don't hammer them, um, they're going to get away with it. When the reality, sin has its own repercussions. Uh, no, one, no one gets away with, with anything, whether it's, whether it's made public or not, uh, whether there's public punishment or public penance, uh, sin has repercussions. It's not a matter of, you know, we're, 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 getting, away, we're getting away with something. Uh, sin is, sin hurts. Um, and, it, and it does damage. And so it, 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 it speaks to the fact that, you know what, there's going to be some challenges. And then I'll, uh, I want to read to you this. Um, and, and to me, this is one of the most beautiful, um, you know, often, uh, it often chokes me up. Um, and you may say, well, you get choked up reasonably often. Um, and well, that's, that, 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 that may be true. Interestingly, um, after Paul is accident, after a while, 
Paul's like, I got to talk to someone. You know, like I, I love you, but I got to talk. I got to. I got to talk to someone. There's I, there's some stuff I have to work through and and, and process. And so I, I love you, but it's you know, I'm tired of you every day. I need someone else. Um, and so uh, a friend of ours is a is a counselor. Gordon Bowles is his name. And so I was like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll call Gordon. Well, wonderfully, it turns out a lot of what Gordon works with is, is trauma and PTSD and things of that sort. So we're like, how, you know, how fortuitous uh, is is this? And so she would talk to him, we would talk to him. And um, it was funny, it was when our house was still being worked on. Uh, and so I'd you know, get the wheelchair and we'd go on the ramp and, you know, we're kind of in the whole disarray and we'd sit there and talk with um, talk with Gordon. But I remember one of the things he said, at least this is how I remember it, um, talking both for, for Paul and, and, and for myself as well, is... Um, not willing hurts and hardships on any of us, traumas and tragedies on any of us, but in the way that God's mercy works, there's an opportunity for us in those times to become stronger and softer simultaneously, uh, to become stronger and softer. And I, and I think that's the truth for us. I mean, you, you know, strong in the sense of experiencing God's strength and provision in our lives when ours is not sufficient, and that makes us infinitely stronger than we were before but 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 softer as well i mean having endured whatever it might be but it but there's the opportunity for us to become softer in our relationship with other people and and you know what a what a gift um what a gift that is for you uh, and and for me and so in some ways softer and stronger is what we see um happening here um uh, stronger in the knowledge of the character of god softer because <laughs> hosea um, you know, again, God gives them this message and it's hard and it's hammering. And then, and then listen to this word, which is given, um, to Hosea and that Hosea speaks to his people. Listen to this beautiful change, uh, and tenor as God speaks these words through Hosea to the people, the words brought not only to the people, but brought to Hosea as well. And listen to this. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the bells and burning offerings to idols. Yet, and listen to this beautiful imagery, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up um, by their arms. It's this beautiful imagery. If you know, any of you have children, you remember the, the, those back-breaking days when you'd lean over and you'd, they'd take your hand, they'd take your fingers, and you're, as you're leaning over, you're teaching them how to walk and they're walking with you know with with your assistance and this is the imagery that God is using uh, in his relationship with you and with me I taught Ephraim to walk I took them up by their arms but they did not know that I healed them I led them with cords of kindness uh, with the bands of love and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws and I bent down and fed them they shall not return to the land of Egypt, uh, but Assyria shall be their king. And so God says, you know what? They've got some, they've got some challenging times ahead. Um, there are going to be some, there are going to be some difficult um, times for them. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their own counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, uh, He shall not raise them up at all. So he says, you know, yeah, they've got some, they've got some tough times. And then uh, verse eight, we go back, and this is again Hosea eleven. How can I give you up, uh, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? 
How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. I will not come in wrath. And then listen to this. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. He talks about this, how he will graciously um, gather uh, graciously gather a people um, his and not just gather us um, but but purchase us I want to now just I'm probably going to share this one more thing and then any questions or comments you have um, and the uh, again this Derek Kidner in Hosea one of the things I you know I hope to express some and I realize uh, with with limited effect but um, and not in a way that seeks to overly muddle things, but but uh, Kendra in talking about the way that God relates and saves and talking about uh, Hosea uh, basically says <laughs> he's good and he's gracious, but it's messy. Uh, the way that God works in our lives is, is, is good and it's gracious, but it's, but it's often messy. Why? Because God's relational. Uh, and if any of you have a relationship in your life, you know that even when it's good and gracious, it's 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 messy. Um, it's it's not neat. I'm sure y'all are like me. My imaginary conversations rock. Um, <laughs> I am great. Um, the ones that go on in my head, you know, beforehand, I kill it. Um, but it's the real ones, not so much. Uh, but my imaginary ones, I mean, people are receptive, and I express myself clearly, and things typically come around to work in the way that I think they should, right? Shocker. Um, so this is what uh, Kidner writes. Um, it is, and uh, yeah, uh, bear with me, please. Uh, I'll try not to read you the whole book, but it's really, really good. It is rather easy to grow up with a naive idea of God. It is rather easy to grow up with a naive idea of God. And again, you know, uh, naive could be that, you know, God is just a big, angry, uh, vindictive, capricious, judgmental God, or that God is just, you know, fuzzy, it's all good. Um, and, and so anyway. It's rather easy to grow up with a naive idea of God, something like a child's impression of the adult world and with a worrying conundrum about his way of doing things. The conundrum is this old one. If God is all-powerful and all-good, why does he not rid the world of evil, the church too, for that matter? One of the things that Hosea does for us is to give us, with extraordinary frankness, the other side of that anomaly, God's side. The child's idea of his elders is a puzzled one. They make the rules, he says to himself. There's power for you, and they have money. Whatever they may say, there's freedom. What couldn't we do? We children with all that freedom and all that power. In this book, we see things not in these simplistic terms, where situations and people are uncomplicated. I love that, where situations and people are uncomplicated. And power is like a magic wand. Hosea introduces us to a family which is a miniature of our world, or rather of the most enlightened part of the world of his own day. But it is a problem family. 
And God compares the situation not to that of an autocrat whose orders nobody dares question, nor of a father who rejoices in an adoring wife and children, but, that, but to that of a husband whose wife has left him, and a father whose children are like strangers in his own house and are fast destroying themselves. Where does omnipotence, where does instant solutions come into such a picture? Certainly tame acceptance is no answer to it, but no more are strong-arm tactics unless one were content to have a slave wife and a family simply cowed into conformity. And isn't this, I mean, it's kind of like, you hear this, you're like, yes, this, it's, it's messy, but you're like, this, this, this makes sense. With relationships as subtle and sensitive as these, there are no shortcuts to mending them when they go wrong, not even for omnipotence. If we think that God could somehow wave that wand and solve the problem painlessly, if he really gave his mind to it, we have only to recall the cross, that hideous instrument of torture, and the son's prayer, my father, if it be possible, um, for um, our answer. And then he goes on um, uh, and, 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 says, uh, and, and says this. Um, there is precious, and he's talking about Hosea, um, and Gomer and, and their relationship and, and the way that God directs um, Hosea and his relationship with him. And one, one important note he makes is she makes no move, perhaps none is possible to come home. He's sent to save her. She, it's not because, again, it's not because, all right, she's really sorry about it. Now she's trying to get home. So you go, it's like, no, he says, go and get her. She's making no move on her own. And lastly, I, I, I say this, there's precious little exercise of power in such a story of the eternal triangle for power alone would solve nothing. So if we look at the, you know, the, you know, why God, you know, why are things so messed up? Why are things so messy? Why don't you just hurry up and go ahead and, and, and fix it um, already? Wave, um, wave, wave your wand. But he, but he points out rightly, power alone would solve nothing. Um, power alone doesn't change hearts. Power alone doesn't change relationships. Power alone doesn't, in the words of God through Hosea, won't allure um, us to God, um, won't draw us in a way which is uh, guided by love. Instead, there is hurt, humiliation, waiting, personal approach and appeal, and at last, uh, mutual commitment. Cost, too, but mostly the cost of risking rebuff, reopening wounds, working out a difficult relationship, and being determined that it, sh that it shall at last uh, grow. I will allure her, says God, and speak tenderly to her, and I will betroth you to me um, forever. Uh, this this uh, beautiful um, imagery from Hosea, uh, the gracious character of God who doesn't wave magic wands, um, who doesn't um, strong arm or coerce, uh, but comes and yes, speaks truth, but also speaks words of tenderness uh, and, and draws us um, to himself that we might be restored, that we might be made whole. And let me uh, stop there. Any comments y'all have or any questions y'all have? Craig, yes, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a thank you for asking that. That's a great 
question and the, the, the challenge I, I find, and of course part of it's just my limitations, is you know in the context of a sermon, there, there's only so much time, and there's always so many things that you can't cover. And you know you you could probably give me hours, and I probably would still have plenty of voids uh, left in there. But but yeah, I mean there is I think one of the challenges we try to walk in the Christian life, we're, we're called to make judgments. Uh, we're called to be we're called to be discerning for 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 goodness sakes. And I think again that's you know, kind of like the child's naivete. We try to make it one extreme or another. We're, we're called to be people who are discerning. We're called um, to make judgments. We're called um, to make choices. Certainly, um, we're called to think about um, all of those things. The, the significant difference is, is this, is, is the human tendency, which is what we're warned against, to place ourselves in the place of God and make final judgments about other people. Now, it's one thing. I mean, if I have... If I have a family member, a friend, or whomever is having an affair, I mean, I need to say, you know what? You need to stop. <laughs> that, that, that's wrong. I mean, that's not my being judgmental. I mean, it's just like, you know, that's that's disastrous. That's destructive. That's that's hurtful to your spouse. It's hurtful to you. It's hurtful to the person you're having an affair with. It's hurtful to the community. So that's that's not. I mean, that's judgment, not judgmentalism. Now, of course, the way that we do it can certainly be judgmental, but I mean, we're called to speak words of truth and words of honesty to things which are destructive, but judgmentalism comes in when we think basically that, yeah, that we, not only that that we have it and that we can speak words of judgment and condemnation on others, but it's back to Jesus's parable, we're looking at the speck in our friend's eye, we don't see the plank um, in our own. Yeah. We're called to be yeah, and, and and because in the reality, um, we're all condemned, you know, outside of uh, outside of um, the the gracious intervention of Jesus, we're all we're all condemned, every last one. And that's and I and I that doesn't bring me down actually. I think that that gives me a great deal of, in some ways, levity is not the word lightness to say, okay, you know what, um, God is God has addressed this. Um, yeah, I, it's not up to me. Um, to be the final, back to um, Volf's thing, you know, otherwise we're the final judge and jury, and, and that's just, Lord have mercy. Um, that's going to be disastrous. Um, yeah, we're, again, going back to as well, the whole softer and stronger to realize that we're people who have been forgiven. We've been delivered, not because of any merit of our own, but because of the mercies of God. And that enables us, in a very perf- imperfect way, to to hopefully speak truthfully, but in a way that's also gracious and recognizing the same words could be spoken to you and to me, if not on this particular topic, any number of others. And, and in light as well of the Beatitudes, Jesus saying, you know, it's not just the act, it's the thought that that condemns us. So none of us can stand um, on our own uh, on our own merits. Um, well, once again, I've resolved everything for you, um, and I'm grateful for that. Do do go and read Hosea and and and, and reflect on it and, and what it has to say. Um, and again, doubling down on those beautiful verses where God speaks to his desire to, to come and to, and to gather us uh, and his gracious love for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the people gathered here. Um, thank you that, um, well, as Hosea says, that, that we often uh, live the whore and pray, play the whore, that you and your grace and your mercy come and not only do you seek us and love us, but you purchase us uh, through Jesus, your son, out of our slavery and bondage. 
and restore us as your sons and your daughters and heirs of all of your riches and heirs of all of your promises. Fill our hearts and our minds, Lord, with this truth and with this grace in such a way that uh, it transforms our hearts and our lives and our relationships as well. We have need of you every day, every moment. Keep this ever before us, I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.